Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. And with me, as always, for these reviews, especially Arnold, is my boy, Jameson Very Good Rabbit. How are you doing today, sir? I am terrific, Mike. It's good to hear your voice, man. You know it's good to be heard on the STL airwaves again. Congratulations on your 50th episode, sir. Ah, the 50th mojo. Thank you. That was a good time. I got through emails up to Peter, and then I had to shut it off, and so I didn't, fin- I didn't finish the rest. But from what I've heard, it was good stuff, man. I had a good time. It was it was uh, a rare treat for Brian and I to be in the same room and record, so that was fun. I'm very, uh, man, you know, you and I, Expendables Love, are pretty mm-hmm. much equal. Mm-hmm. And and number two is my favorite of the series. And Mine as well. Everything I heard about number three, I honestly feel like I would be just like you walking out of there. I would be 50-50. I 50% liked it and 50% you know, disliked it because I kind of got that vibe from the beginning. Pretty much everything you said is how I've been feeling before I even, I haven't even seen it yet, but those are the feelings I had. And you kind of confirmed feelings (laughs) essentially, because when it comes to that particular area, you and I are like dead on with that series. So I'm a little bit scared to run out to the theater to check that out. So I don't know, man. Perfectly understandable, but you know, with this movie, it's one of the one of those great movies that's free on the internet for anyone to take. <laughs> I think that might have hurt its box office because it came out a disappointing fourth place opening weekend. Yeah, I read that, man, and uh, I I seriously was like, I don't think it was the PG thirteen. I think it was the fact that it was what two weeks out there on the internet. Yeah, it was out there for quite a while. I mean, you know, kind of peeling back the curtain. I'd seen it a couple of times before we reviewed it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it was a it was a misstep for the series, but uh, you know that's what it is. If you want to hear more about it, you can go listen to my fiftieth episode. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, as Brian put it, you've recorded more than one a month on average. So. That's right. We we're hitting our three year anniversary in a couple weeks. So and then tonight after STL, uh, you're going to be recording some uh, Cisco and Ebert stuff. Is that correct? <laughs> We, uh, Jason and I are getting together to review the documentary Life Itself, the Roger Ebert documentary, and uh, pretty cool. We sent out a tweet from Real Films Podcast. We sent out a tweet saying that we're going to we're calling for emails and and uh, we're going to be discussing Life Itself. And the Life Itself documentary account favorited our our tweet. That was kind of cool. You know what's funny? The past two episodes, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and um, the one prior to that that I did. That was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well, wasn't it? Uh, uh, no, it was it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then Better Off Dead, I think it was. Mm. And Stitcher Radio sent out a tweet to all the followers of Stitcher Radio to check out those episodes. And I, cool. was, I was like, are you for real, Stitcher Radio? You know you have how many followers and you're sending out 
to about STL. I thought that was kind of weird, dude. Um, but it's cool. It's good take, times. Take it where you can. Right. Now, since this episode is going to get posted before you start recording, you folks need to email into that. So there you go. So. Okay. Yeah. I would well, love to get some emails. Right? Because if I'm, this makes it in time. Yeah, it'll get it'll get there, sir. It'll get there. So all right, all right man, why don't we roll into some uh some quick news, son? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. One of the things that I want to talk about, and I've kind of been sitting on this a little while, and and you guys had a really good discussion about it on your 50th episode. I didn't really want to talk about it with you, but it's as as you kind of said, it's a celebration of Robin Williams and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one a podcast I listen to, it's it's a comedic podcast, Titus Christopher Titus podcast. It's, Mm -hmm. It's super fun. He brought up a very good point. That Robin Williams is a guy who's never had anything bad ever said about him. When you go back and and you're starting to hear all these stories come out about all these great things he did for people, going to charity events, driving himself, never taking limos, and he's like, this is charity events. And you hear all these donations he did with Christopher Reeve. He paid all of his hospital bills. And you start hearing these amazing stories, but it's true. When he brought that up and said that you never heard any bad stories ever about Robin Williams, I honestly was like, that's true. I can't ever think of a bad story about Robin Williams that I don't know. Have you? No, no. And that's and that's kind of the whole thing is why, um, you know, a celebrity death like this has affected so many people. I mean, there's we've had celebrity deaths before and, they've, you know, there have been tragedies. I mean, part of it is that nobody expected it. it wasn't like he was, you know, getting on an age or you knew he had cancer or something like that. It was very unexpected. But we've had that before, you know, Paul Walker, it was unexpected, but it didn't affect so many people. And part of it was because he's been around for so long and he's done so many different things that so many different people, you know, it seems like everybody has a different favorite thing that Robin Williams was a part of. But Right, right. The, you know, but the other part is that he's done something. He's always just been that guy, the big teddy bear, the lovable guy, the guy who everybody... You know, there's never a, a controversy. There's, you know, all this stuff. I mean, he's addressed his life, his his struggles with cocaine addiction and alcoholism. He's addressed them. There's never been, you know, he's never been a tabloid guy. Right, exactly. And so that kind of makes it like, yeah, he's like your your uncle or your buddy or whatever. Just a, he's a lovable guy. And, you know, his art and his life all pretty much 
we're that way. And so I think that's the biggest thing that has made everyone really just like shocked, you know. He's he's been in what, four generations, the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand I mean, there as you said, there's something for everybody. Right. And I said, I don't know what my favorite Robin Williams movie is, but I after thinking about it, I can tell you what my favorite Robin Williams scene is. Uh, it actually comes from Goodwill Hunting. And, and I, I love his performance, and they're always talking about his wife. Uh, you could just on screen, yeah. even though there was no wife there, the, his his deliverance of his love of his wife just poured all over that. And the scene where he tells Will, it's not, yeah, Matt Damon, it's not your fault, oh. and makes him cry. I cry every time I, I watch that scene. And it, that is by far my favorite Robin Williams scene ever is where he just sits there and makes him cry it out. It just, oh, I almost start crying now just thinking about it. It's a great choice. I mean, I've said it a, a few different places uh, since this happened, but um, for me, Robin Williams it, doing serious roles have had a far greater effect on me than his comedy. His comedy is great, but for me, I, I, there's a few reasons is because his comedy is so great that I think it makes his seriousness even more impactful Yeah, because you know that he's he, he how crazy and manic he can be so when he focuses that and harnesses it you're just like wow and for me personally Robin Williams is a doppelganger for my dad my dad and Robin Williams are almost identical twins and so growing up every time I saw him in, in a role especially a role like that or uh, Dead Poet Society, these roles that are really impactful, I can't help but inter- interject my dad into that just right. because they are so identical looking. Wow. Um, but yeah, that scene, man, I mean, there's there's a bunch of scenes just in that movie, um, you know, sitting out on the park bench, you know, great stuff man you get me choked up just thinking about it (laughs) i'm sorry man i i didn't want to make you cry or anybody cry but (laughs) i really i really was that just hit me today just you know driving my kids to school is the first day of school and for some reason out of nowhere you know saying bye to my daughter just made me think of that scene i was like that's it you know because i've been like in the back of my mind saying what's my favorite robin williams movie what's my favorite performance and all of a sudden it hit me and I almost started crying driving home. I was like, that's it. That's the one I got to tell everybody about mm-hmm. because it's so good. You know, Goodwill Hunting, I feel, is an underrated film. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It, it, what the, the one great thing about this, to come out of this tragedy, is that a lot of times when someone's been around for so long, you, you, he has such a huge catalog of, of work. And everyone agrees, oh, he's great, this and that. But sometimes he's one of those guys who I always felt kind of slipped under the radar. When you talk about great actors, we talk about great comedians. Right. You know, he kind of slips under the radar. And in the, the silver lining of a tragedy like this is that everyone is rediscovering Robin Williams. And fall, like, you know what? I forgot how much I love this movie. I forgot how much I love Hook. You know, and, and I see on Netflix that, like, the top seven movies on Netflix right now as far as most watched are Robin Williams movies. I saw a thing today that on Amazon that he is buying far away. His movies are just flying out of Amazon right now. Wow. Everyone's like I gotta buy Good, you know, Good Morning Vietnam. I haven't seen it forever. I, you know, just it's it's kind of a resurgence of people 
like man i gotta i'm rediscovering robin williams and what we loved about him so much and that's great and, and when lauren bacall passed i kind of said that too like this is a great time for a generation that maybe doesn't know who she is maybe knows a name or a face but doesn't know the work it's a great time to be reminded of these these greats in hollywood rediscover what made them great you know you maybe you've heard about them but now you know take this as the opportunity to go i'm gonna see what made them a legend you know yeah you know when i saw mrs Doubtfire, you know uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't really that young, but I was kind of upset at the ending. I was like, I kind of thought they would get back together. I, I, I kind of never forgave the movie for that until <laughs> recently where I was like, that is the pop culture feel-good moment. And what makes that movie real is the fact of they don't get back together, right. but he gets to see his kids. And then I had a new love and appreciation for that movie. It was like I always loved the movie up until the ending, and I was like, I was always disappointed. And it's funny how you go back in and this, you know, you kind of revisit it and you look at it in a whole new perspective. You know what I mean? Yep. And th- and that's how I feel, Mrs. Doubtfire. And you know, obviously that movie is is really big with a lot of people. But, sure. But I kind of always thought that it should have had the happy ending, and I'm glad that it didn't because it made it that much more real. The fact that it didn't, they didn't get back together. You know. So. I agree. So yeah, Robin Williams, love the guy. So go revisit his work. Um, for me, Goodwill Hunting, that scene, that that's my all-time fave. So good times. All right, sir. Uh, I love the talk on uh, on Live Die Repeat, man. Because oh, wasn't man. wasn't that supposed to be the original title of well, the film? No, the original title of the, the original original is um, "All You Need Is Kill." That was the name of the. Because it's based on a Japanese movie, I believe it was. Okay. Um, and so the, it was called All You Need Is Kill. And they just, oh, that's kind of confusing and kind of generic, too. Um, so we'll go with Edge of Tomorrow, which is also pretty generic. Um, and, man, I just I do not understand what Warner Brothers is doing. Because the movie itself, if you saw Edge of Tomorrow, I think was it still sits in my top five movies of this whole year. Oh, yeah. So I, it's I'm- a... I'm sure for you, you'll be like three or two. I mean, I, yeah, I love this movie, and I, I thought it was a really original, really great story, and it kind of got killed at the box office. And before it even came out, Warner Brothers was already kind of cutting the legs off one of those movies, saying, oh, we don't expect to make much money on this movie, which I had discussions with people. I'm like, this is really strange that they're putting this out there the week before it comes out. Oh, we're probably going to lose to Maleficent in their second week. Oh, well, just cutting expectations. That doesn't help sell tickets. You know, when you the public hears like, oh, they don't expect it to do well. And then the movie comes out and it kind of tanks, but it does exactly what they thought it would do. Um, and I've been kind of banging the drum everywhere. Like, this is a great movie. Go see it. Go see it. And then now they're, they've changed the title. I mean, at first it was, oh, well, you know, the, the tagline was live, die, repeat. Because that's, you know, what happened. Right, exactly. But now that's the official title of the movie. They've changed it before it hits DVD and Blu-ray is on IMDb, on on Tom Cruise's IMDb, it doesn't say that he was in Edge of Tomorrow. It says he was in Live, Die, Repeat. Wow. It's insane. You know, I list, When I heard that, I actually went out today because you made it sound like it came out on DVD today. So I was like, I'm going oh, to no. go check this out, especially when you were talking like the side cover. And that's when I found Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out today. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, I forgot this movie came out today. So I immediately bought the Blu-ray. I'm, I'm very excited to check out mm-hmm. the deleted scenes. Uh, and the biggest thing I want to see is, isn't that the question of the day? <laughs> I want I want to see that scene, man. And you and I were talking that. It, it was filmed. I mean, it's got to be in there. Right. So I, I'm super pumped, but it's true. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is officially out on DVD, Blu-ray today. 
Go pick it up. If you obviously all the good stuff goes to Blu-ray. They have removed officially all stuff going to DVD. They don't do special features anymore for DVD. It seems like they're getting That's less and less and less and less. Um, so yeah, you want to see all the deleted scenes because on DVD you only get four. Blu-ray you get what? Jeez, uh, nineteen. It feels like nineteen the way that this thing's listed out. So all right. good times. So I'm excited to check that out again, sir. Revisit that bad boy. All right, sir. So in uh, TV news, so Adrian Pilecki, which is uh, better known as the Wonder Woman TV show that never got aired. If right. you watch G.I. Joe Retaliation, that had uh, The Rock in it, which is obviously a movie I've never rewatched again. That tells you how much I love that movie. She was in that movie. Uh, and she's also in Red Dawn. Anyways, she's jumped the DC side of things and gone to Marvel. She joined the cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So, I still have no desire to pick up the show again. <laughs> I know Fair we're, enough. I know we're in Changing Channels talk, which, by the way, Changing Channels has returned on iTunes. Go check it out. So... Anyways, uh, the show itself. Don't wait. Don't trick the people into thinking right. there's new episodes. No, no. <laughs> if we ever do a new one, it might be like a once a year, end of the year <laughs> kind of thing. So if you want to get all the old episodes, go on iTunes. There you go. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Uh, I still have no desire to watch that show, man. I don't know about you, so. I am uh, still, I'm planning on running through that first season one more time, giving it a giving it a fair shake. We'll see. I just have to find the time. Now, are you watching The Strain on FX? Um, uh, no. Do you know what that show is? Yes. Okay. It's act, dude. It's gruesome, man. For an FX show, let's put it this way. Some dude goes to the bathroom, his stuff falls off, and they show it. Well, let's just, I mean, FX is gruesome. I mean, they do, uh, they are the home of Sons of Anarchy. That's true. Is a brutal show. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically a Gilbert Del Toro type project, and it's a actually a good show. It's basically vampire based, but they don't call it vampires in the show. And uh, it's actually pretty good. And the, the vampire tongues is kind of how things work, but it's got Sean Austin in it, good old uh, Rudy. So it's uh, I actually enjoy the show. It's pretty cool, and there hasn't been much talk about it. If it was going to, you know, how how the ratings were doing, but it did get renewed today for season two. So if you are kind of, you know, as you and I are kind of, where I don't know if I want to invest my time in a show, especially if I don't know if it's going to continue. If that's the show you want to get into, feel free because there is going to be a season two. So go ahead and do that. So. Indeed. Oh, man. Ant-Man just started filming today, and they already got a picture out, sir. Did you see this? Right. Yes, I saw a picture of him standing there. <laughs> yeah, that's wow, it. Wow, it was impressive. They're making a big deal out of that, man. I know. It's like, seriously, guys, just him standing there. It's no big deal. No costume, nothing. Relax. Calm down. <sighs> I agree. Man, uh, the news is pretty dull this week, man. So let's jump into a review then. Yeah. Let's screw the rest, and let's jump in the Total Recall, son. Let's do it. Well, here I am, just living on Mars, trying to make ends meet for my family of insect mutant children. I got a little place in Sector R. Right down the street from a shopping mall in that bar Where the girl with three boobs works The money's tight and times are hard For the working man 
and talk is cheap, and you know oxygen ain't free. And I've got five kids to feed, working on a kind driving salary. Some may say I'm evil, but I think the end justifies the means. Advantage in your one through five would perish without me. I've got It's hard to pay your rent and electric bills with the Johnny Cabs taking all our gerbs. And so I turn to a life of crime. You know I don't like it, but Cohagen helps me keep the little ones in private school. And I don't know you anything. I don't even know your name. And I don't care if it's Hauser or it's Quaid. But I've got Working on a kind driving salary Some may say I'm evil But I think The end justifies the means Help me find this quanto guy And I would sure be pleased I've got five kids to feed Comes down to you or them And they're my family And you're some guy that I just met You don't know me And I'm gonna drill you sucker You'll rue the day when you told yourself, yourself, you said, get your ass to Mars. Oh, 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 I've got five kids to feed, working on a cab driving salary. Some may say I'm evil, but I think the end justifies the means. And oh, hey, did I mention Quaid? I ain't even married. All right, sir. Total Recall, man. So, uh, you and I, we have a lot of fun talking Arnold movies. Uh, man, we're basically a love fest for Arnold, which I totally love. It's totally good times. Uh, we've had our fun moments, kind of making fun of it, like uh, True Lies. We had a, a big fun fest on that one. Uh, Predator was kind of like, we were just talking about how amazing that movie was. Uh, and then we get into this movie, which... You know, I don't want to get too much into my thoughts on it, but I could say that arguably this may be Arnold's smartest movie or maybe his most like let's face it, Arnold, he's not your actor actor. You know, I mean, you he's just he's just your big muscle guy. Everybody loves him. He's big fun factor. But this is actually a legitimate acting type role for Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie. I don't know if you feel the same or kind of what's your history? What are your kind of you know, high level thoughts before we get into till we dig into this thing. I still thought we were watching Conan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, this sucks. You were drunk. <laughs> Never. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, without really getting into everything with with this movie, um, it's different from it's different from most of his movies, especially up to this point. You know the movies that we'd seen him in. Exactly. This is this is kind of the first real 
change of pace as far as what you get out of Arnold. You know, it's kind of, I want to say it's one of the first ones where he just plays a, a regular guy. Yeah, this is 1990 when this came yeah. out, and uh, it's directed by Paul Verhoeven, which now I never knew this until today. Surprisingly, I was like, ah, I'm going to check out the special features. You know, I, just, I don't know why I never checked it out. I had no, I did know that this was a Philip K. Dick story. I did know that, which was the original title was We Can Remember uh, It If For You. Whole, we Can Remember wholesale. It For You Wholesale. But it was a very short story. And this movie was like a 10-year-in-the-making type of thing. And Patrick Swayze was supposed to be the leading yeah. actor. And uh, luckily, thank God, uh, Arnold knew about this movie for four years, but they did not want him to play it. They had their, spe- spe- you know, specific reasons. And, you know, because the guy that's supposed to be playing Arnold is supposed to be kind of like your regular type guy, you know. But Arnold thought that... It actually, you know, you have a guy who's physically imposing, who's very vulnerable. It actually will help sell the movie better, you know. And and the movie actually, the company that bought the movie originally went bankrupt. And then Arnold basically found out about it, had it picked up in a few hours. And he got the guy who originally got the story together and made the movie. I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell, wouldn't you say? Yep. Uh, At that time, I mean... Terminator 2 hadn't come out yet. So this was like the one of the most expensive movies at that time. I mean the budget was uh 50 to 60 million, which seems like chump change today. But I mean Terminator 2 came out what year? God. 1990, wasn't it? Mm, man. 91? It, it came out right after this. Okay. Right, yeah, if I take a look here, filmography-wise, because I'm very curious on this, what came first. Yeah, Total Recall, 1990, first, Kindergarten this Cop. this was the last of the practical effects exactly. big sci-fi movies, and then James Cameron came around the next summer right, there you with go. his CGI Terminator. There's only one CGI shot in this film, and, it, and they didn't think they could pull it off, and that's when Arnold will go through... Uh, the motion detector where you see a skeleton. That's the only digital shot that they have in this film, which is real funny them putting it together. Uh, so this movie, sir, is... I, I can't wait to actually talk about this movie because I've never really talked this movie in detail. And people take this movie different ways, so that's mm-hmm. going to be real exciting. Uh, now, Sharon Stone, obviously, the reason why Sharon Stone got Basic Instinct is because of her being in this movie, clearly. Um, Rachel Tacone, is that how you say it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, she's done some various things like One Good Cop, uh, Con Air. Those are some of the few things I've seen her in. This is kind of the one I really associate her with. Michael Ironside, I know you love that guy. Love Michael Ironside. Uh, So let's kind of get into this, sir. Uh, Now, Paul Verhoeven, for those of you who don't know, is the director of RoboCop. And that's the whole reason why Arnold wanted to do this. He called him up and said, hey, remember how we talked a couple months ago? You know, I love RoboCop. I love your visual style. You know, you're my guy. I got a project for you. And that's, that's basically it, man. Arnold was the guy that got this movie together. And that's what's kind of cool about it. It's kind of like his, kind of his baby in a way. Right. You know. Yeah. Now the music is done by Jerry Goldsmith, which I didn't know until I found that out today. And then listening, you know, going back and listening to it, I can hear like Gremlins in there and stuff like that. It's kind of like with Danny Elfman. You know how like you can hear his type of music. Yeah. And, and there's various things throughout this score where I was like, yeah, that's that's the sound you hear in Gremlins and stuff like that. So I guess we'll get into it, man. 
Let's get right into it. Okay, so beginning of the movie starts off. Uh, the the credits kind of simple, but kind of cool. Uh, it's all red, which I love, the whole Mars thing. And by the way, if we even talk about the reboots, I don't want to spend much time on it because I thought that movie was trash. Yeah, we don't need to waste our time on that. Yeah. So evidently, did you know this movie takes place in 2084, even though they don't ever say that anywhere in the film? Yeah. Yeah, I actually read that. And uh, it, it, knowing that kind of uh, cracks me up because there's a lot of things in here that are very dated, that are already <laughs> extinct. Right. <laughs> okay, so Arnold is, uh, his character is Douglas Quaid. So, starts off, we're in Mars, he's in a suit, and it's Arnold with his uh, his leading lady, uh, which would be Melina. And uh, essentially, what happens? He, he kind of falls and he cracks his face on a rock. Is that what happens? Yep. And, okay, so... I love the effect of the whole eyeballs thing, uh, but is this supposed to represent the fact of if you have no oxygen, your face is essentially going to blow up? Well, that's what happens. I don't. I don't agree with that, sir. I call BS on that one. Really? Yeah. Your face doesn't blow up. You know, if you're suffocating, you're you're. That's it. You're holding your throat. You can't breathe. I. When have you ever seen somebody's eyes pop out of their head, son? I've seen it in just about every sci-fi movie. When somebody loses their helmet, their head explodes. It happens all the time. You watch watch Red Planet, I believe that's another one that does it. Oh boy. What I love about this is and about this entire movie, but this is I mean, we've already started in on it, is the budget for fake Arnold heads oh, had to gosh. have been at least ten percent of their total budget was to make all these fake rubber Arnold heads for all these scenes that they needed him in. Every time he was suffocating or going through some sort of tragedy, there would be a rubber Arnold head used in place of his actual head. Now, I only thought, because I thought that, you know, when he's suffocating, I actually thought that was him and it was just, you know, makeup. The only one I saw was the rubber head was when, you know, the girl, which we'll talk about when we get there, comes off of his head. I'm like, well, that's oh, clearly a Terminator No, there's, a ru- there's, a, there's an Arnold rubber head during this scene, the eye-bulging scene. Uh, there's also an Arnold rubber head uh, when he's removing the tracker from his nose. That's an Arnold rubber head. Really? Oh, yeah. It, lo- it looks really good then, for sure. Watch it again, and you'll see that the expression never changes that entire scene. Ah, true It is enough. a rubber head. True uh, You can buy it on eBay. Um and then, yeah, and then the scene that you're thinking about with the uh, other head uh, comes off. That's a rubber head. And then there's another scene towards the end where oxygen is a problem. Rubber head on that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But <laughs> I just think it's great because this movie features some of the craziest Arnold faces. Oh, as yeah. As he goes throughout his, his crazy Arnold I'm in pain uh, face. That looks like a, a crazy person. There's a lot of those in this movie. You know, one thing about this movie that I love is the fact of there's, I think his most epic one-liners are in this movie. Because so? if you type in, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboards and stuff, Total Recall has its own particular one. And there's like a ton of them. And in fact, the major ones, especially like if you go to YouTube, you type in, uh, you know, Arnold Crank Calls, a majority of the ones you hear are Kindergarten Cop and Total Recall mixed together. Who are you? You know, stuff like that. You he, you hear a whole bunch of those. Because, let's face it, his biggest, his favorite word in this was BS. That was his favorite word in this movie. 
I gotta say though, I think my favorite movie as far as Arnold one-liners is Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But that was just oh, so terrible. There's a lot of just Arnold just going ah in this movie. There's a lot of that. <laughs> it's true. All right. So essentially, uh, the beginning we have the Mars thing, and it, it's supposed to represent the fact that he knows who Molina is uh, later on in the film. Uh, and he wakes up from choking, and he wakes up to Sharon Stone. Now, I'm going to say this. These two have no chemistry together. <laughs> Absolutely none. Uh, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, clearly, we'll, we'll find out why in a little bit. But I don't. from the moment I saw this movie, I was just like, wow, those two don't really go good together. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I just could have put my finger on it. And uh, so she gets mad at him as – all wives do when you're dreaming about another woman and you know, they take offense to that, I guess. And and she, you know, beats him up kind of, and they, they get frisky. And then all of a sudden they go, he goes in the kitchen, turns on the TV. This scene looked really dated. Uh, the only thing that was really bad is when Sharon Stone is talking to Arnold and the screen is going in the background it like looks like you know those things when you watch those old sixty movies and you have uh, the little dust on the real film, you know, on the real. Yeah. It, like Quentin Tarantino does it all the time, kind of style. I saw a little bit of that when I was watching the DVD. I don't know if it's because I was watching a Blu-ray player or not, but it, it was like Sharon Stone, Crystal Clear, and then Arnold had a little bit of those fuzzy things going on. <laughs> it was. I'm still really, really impressed with these effects. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but do you do you have any issue with this whole TV, them sitting down together, watching it, all that stuff? You know, I mean, watching it now and looking back, it it doesn't really bother me because there's so much in this movie that that is obvious 1980s technology <laughs> <laughs> that is supposed to be a uh, a hundred thousand uh, years. Uh, I don't know how to add. It's 100 years. Uh, it's supposed to be 100 years in the future, you know, from basically where this movie was. Um, the fact that throughout the movie, like, Fuji film is uh, represented, <laughs> like, wow, that's not even around now. Yeah. Film I'm, doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Because all, all the signs, I was like, okay, Coca-Cola's still around. Nope. I was like, that's that's gone. That's Jack gone. in the Box is yeah. still around. I was like, that's gone, that's gone. I had a fun time watching yeah, this. Yeah, Fuji signs. film is... I, what I'm only assuming is they're going to make a resurgence sometime in the next, you know, 80 years, 70 years. <laughs> that Fuji film will come back and everyone will start using film in their cameras again. That's kind of the bad thing, obviously, when you do these kind of movies that are set so far into the future. I mean, let's face it, next year we're all supposed to have hoverboards and dress like ridiculous people in the 80s. I can't wait. You know, uh, we'll see if that happens. I'm still waiting for flying I'm doing cars. It. Um, you know. We we got the glasses. We talk about that all the time. We got the Back to the Future two glasses, so I'm ready for that at least in 2015. I got my Biff outfit. I'm ready to roll. All right. Uh, so essentially, uh, Sharon Stone's character, which uh, her name is uh, Lori Quaid, she does not want Arnold's character Douglas to go to Mars. He's all infatuated with Mars, and mm-hmm. we get we see our first shot of our villain Ronnie Cox. Oh man, this yes. guy! This guy lives up to his name, right? <laughs> I, I mean, oh, he is so bad. I, he's he's awesome in this movie as a bad guy, 
But mm-hmm. man, he is so evil, man. Yeah. What what do you think of Ronnie Cox in this film, son? He's great. Oh. He is really hateable. Right? He's he is great because in an Arnold movie, you gotta do one of two things. You either have to be physically imposing or you have to just be that slime ball who's gonna outwit him, you know? Right. And and, and in this movie, you know, Arnold is supposed to be a regular guy. He's just a construction worker who just happens to be shaped like Mr. Universe. Uh, but so, you know, having someone in there physically imposing it, it doesn't work. You need someone who's corporate bad guy, you know? Right. And, and he plays it perfect. Oh, he's him and his little henchman. They're just, ah, oh, they're so dirty. <laughs> so after essentially he's telling Lori, you know, there's this, there's something bigger for me. I can just feel it. And she's just like, ah, you know, don't worry about it, you know? And I love when he walks out the door and you see her face. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, first time watching this, it doesn't really mean anything. It just sounds like, it just seems like she's upset that he's thinking about going to Mars. But back in her mind, she's like, oh, crap, he's starting to figure things out. So he goes to work and he is a construction worker and talks to his buddy. What's his buddy's name? Harry? Sure. Is that this guy's name? Yeah. I don't remember. He's not in it very long. But no. I love the fact when he's like, hey, you know, let's talk about recall. And that's when his buddy tries to tell him that the last guy who went there got, lobot- got lobotomized. And he's like, no crap. You know, he says the other word. Mm-hmm. And I, I love his face where he just looks at him kind of like the same way Sharon Stone did. So these are like little clues that are going to. Not know, everything is as it seems. Right. Exactly. So essentially Quaid. He what? He's on a train, and that's when he sees the idea about recall. Oh no, he saw the on the train. He saw the commercial about recall. That's when he talks right. to Harry about it. But he decides he wants to check it out for himself. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the whole recall thing. My wife, right. my wife instantly was like, "I wish we had those uh, nail painter things. You know, where you just put the tip to your nail, it changes the color. You know, she's like, no more painting, no more drying." It's just instant. She's like, that's what I want now. You know, easy enough. Yeah, I thought that she thought that was funny. <laughs> and uh, so she, Quaid goes and talks to this guy and he wants to get the breakdown. And essentially it's this, that for two weeks you pay a bunch of money and they implant memories into your brain. Right. Supposedly these memories are so real, your mind doesn't know the difference. That is, it, that's especially how that's how it's supposed to go. Correct. Right, yeah, they, they implant memories of things that you've done so you can look back and be like, oh, man, wasn't that incredible, blah, blah, You never leave the chair. You know, you're just sitting in their office, and they implant this, and it's so realistic, and they can customize it, and they have upgrades of, oh, man, this is going to be the best. You're going to love it. You wanna, where do you want to go? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And uh, it, he gives them the hard sell, you know, like, hey, what color, what, what color hair do you like on your ladies, you know? right. Now, do you love the fact that they get total spoilers of this movie when he's like, you know, when he says he wants to be a secret agent, he's like, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you get to, you know, you get chased by bad guys, you get mm-hmm. the girl, and you save the planet. It's like you just told us the rest of the movie, son. Right. Turn it off. We're done. <laughs> right? It's exactly what I said when I heard that. I was like, oh, well, you just spoiled the movie. Okay, I'll shut it off now. Nice job, jerk. <laughs> okay. So this movie... What is your philosophy? Because this is essentially when it starts. That when he when he goes in the chair 
And, you know, he, he gives all the information and they give him the shot and he goes to sleep and then he mm-hmm. wakes up and he is remembering everything that happened. And then there's it's just total chaos. Is he in a dream this the rest of the whole movie? Or is this the fact of that when he got shocked the first time to put asleep, when he woke up, it, it triggered his mind to remember yep. everything. And then they had to wipe his, his memory clean uh, just like they did before. And that's what he experiences throughout the rest of the film. He had those memories. He lived that life. That's why everyone's after him. He was supposed to have it wiped, but they triggered something in him. Okay. Uh, before they could inject this new memory, uh, they triggered something in it, and then and uh, he became the guy that he was. Now, the guy he was was a total dick. He was he was working with uh, with Cohagen, and right. he really was not a very good guy. Right. And, he was and, he, he was using himself as a pawn. Right. Basically. And is he, yeah he 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 was this guy Hauser. And he used, he knew there's only one guy I can trust to pull off what I need to do, and that's me. Only I can't be me, so I'll be Quaid. Right, because the the basically the whole point is is that when Cohagen tried to get the, the mutants, always figure found him out. Basically, him and his crew. So they figured the best mole would be Hauser. Mm-hmm. And that's how they gave him the memory. So supposedly he thinks he's married to Sharon Stone for eight years when really it's only been six weeks. And he's like, bull, you know, BS, as he always likes to say in this movie. And she's like, no, the job's real. I was just supposed to be here to keep an eye on you, so on and so forth. Right. So every time I've watched this movie, there's still questions that come up where I'm just like, is this supposed to be... Is this supposed to be real? Is this supposed to be a dream? You know, yeah, that's the oh, that's, that's the whole point. Is I mean, because because they kind of take you through different levels, uh, inception like levels of okay, so who's telling the truth? Because constantly, you know, well, wait, so is he dreaming now? Uh, it, it you know, it, it's a confusing movie on purpose. You know, of, of who's which, what's reality basically? You know, what's what's the reality? What's the dream? And uh, that's kind of the way I always took it was that, you know, he's he's obviously being used by himself and by Cohagen to 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 be the mole and that kind of everybody's kind of in on it. Right. I've never liked the idea that this was when he when he's at recall that Mm -hmm. that's it, that when he wakes up, that everything at that point, that he never left the chair, that he never left the chair and that at the end he's lobotomized. I've never liked that. So I've always gone with, as he says, you know. To, it's like it's bull crap. It's it's uh, all coincidence, you know. That's mm-hmm. that scene later on that will call out. That's how I've always liked to treat this movie. And this is a very smart movie, man. This is a very tight script. It's, it's as confusing as it is, it's, as you said, on purpose. But it tells the story so good. It really does, man. Yeah. Um, you know, really, there's. I think there's only one scene that I, I, I can't stand, which we'll talk about when we get there. But... You know, this movie, it brings you in right away and takes you on this trip with them. I mean, I love those movies where you kind of find out things with the char- with the main character. Main character doesn't know what's going on. The audience doesn't know what's going on. Those are kind of the real, those are the most fun type of movies, really, when you're going on the adventure with the people that have no clue what the heck's going on in the film. You know what well, I mean? Well, that, yeah, that, that is cool. Is you're, you're discovering things as they're discovering them. And it, and it 
I think one of the things that I always liked about this movie was um, being an Arnold fan growing up that this was the first movie where he wasn't just like a superhero, basically, you know, capable of doing anything um, where he was limited in things he was doing. And he was kind of discovering who he was as he went along. And it wasn't just like, well, I could just muscle through everything, you know, or I could just shoot everything and make it all different. You know, I like that fact that you're kind of like, well, wait, you know, wait. What happens if he does this? You know, there's a right. scene where, where he gets, you know, a scientist comes to him and, 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 and Sharon Stone comes to him and they're messing with his head. And you're not sure. Right. Well, wait, what happens if, if he blows this guy away? Well, uh, you know, the, the first time he finds out who how capable he is, is when he gets when he gets out of recall and he gets Harry comes to him and, and they kidnap him, basically. Mm. And he takes. Uh, he breaks two necks and shoots two, breaks another guy's nose. He kills them all. He's got blood all over his hands. And he just looks at himself like, wow, I can't believe I just did that. Right. And that's when he goes home to tell Lori about what he did. And she thinks that he's being delusional. And I love when he shows her his hands. But then when he goes to take his jacket off, he has no blood on his hands. Right. I, I, I love that. That's great. <laughs> but that's kind of what sets it up. I love the first time you see this. When he's being shot at in the apartment, you don't know it's Sharon Stone. I really like that kind of twist, mm-hmm. if you will, the first time you see this movie, you know? And that's when he gets the, you know, talk. And that's when you find out about how your life is basically just a dream. Right. And stuff like that. So um, at this point, after, uh, you know, he finds out with uh, Sharon Stone about you know, how his life's a dream, everything like that. He sees these guys coming up, which is led by Michael Ironside. His character, yeah. his character is Richter. He's essentially Cohagen's chief Lieutenant. Uh, now as he's essentially the main character, I, the only credit I can give the remake is that they took, um, two characters as one Sharon Stone and, and Richter's character and made it mm-hmm. into, uh, Kate's, uh, Beckinsale's character. That's the yep. only thing I liked in that movie. Uh, but him as a character in this movie, uh, I actually always thought that he knew what was going on. And I always like, why the hell are you trying to kill him the whole time? And it wasn't until later that multiple viewings that I caught where Cohagen says, well, he had no idea. Because he's like, well, why is he trying to kill me this whole time? You don't try to kill somebody you're trying to place. He goes, well, he wasn't in on it. And mm-hmm. I, I never caught that. So what do you think of Michael Ironside's character? I think he's he's pretty interesting, pretty interesting guy, because um, he he does have a little bit of texture to him, you know, as as a bad guy, and I just like I, I'm a sucker for Michael Ironside. I don't know, he's a cool cool cat. I like watching him act, um, but yeah, he's not just the the unlike Cohagen, who's just the smarmy bad guy. He's Michael Ironside there, uh, as Richter always has a bit of like. Um, unpredictability to him you know it, it, you, you don't know what he's gonna do what he's capable of i like that yeah like uh when cohagen's talking to him in the vehicle and he tries to kind of zone him out i always thought he said i can't hear you sir i'm getting screen f that's what i always thought he said <laughs> but i supposedly he says something else huh. but the way he says it it sounds like that so i don't know if that's what he says but that's how it always sounded to me Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. He, he is definitely an interesting character. 
Uh, I love the fact of uh, later on when he talks to Kohagen and he's just like, I don't pay you to think, you know, and he's like, I got a plan. Can you play along? Sure. He goes, good, or I'll race your sorry ass. And then you, get, <laughs> and then you see his face just get all pissed off again. Uh, he's fun, man. He, he's definitely a fun ride. He, he makes this thing. It's a good thing he's a bad shot, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, he completely misses Arnold in so many different in so many yep. different areas. Uh, so essentially, uh, he's on the run, and what does he go? He goes into a Johnny Cab. Is that right? <laughs> right. Johnny, Arnold jumps in the Johnny Cab. Johnny Cab still is funny today, man. I, I I love the guy. I mean, it's clearly a prosthetic robot. I love that stuff. Uh, the mouth doesn't move as as well as it probably would had they actually did the remake just like this, the way it should have been. Uh, I like Johnny Cab. What do you think? <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Where would you like to go, sir? Just drive. I don't understand that. <laughs> crap, crap. I'm sorry. I don't know that street. <laughs> hope the old Johnny Cab. Hope you enjoyed the ride. Oh, so good. So essentially what's going on at this point? So he he's running away from Michael Ironside and his guys, and he gets to – he gets. Uh, is that when he gets to the hotel? Uh, I think so, yes. Okay, so let's see. This is terrible. I'm sh- I have no notes for I know, this. I know. This is terrible. Okay. So, um, so yeah, he, he gets away, and then he goes to the hotel, and he gets a guy calling him uh, that has a suitcase for him. Right. He gets that. Yes. He gets a call from what he finds out is an old friend of his. Hey, you told me back when you were, before you got this old new identity, you told me that someday you are going to need this. Come down and get your stuff. Now... I, I love this scene because after, you know, he's puts a towel on his head, he tries to get questions and he, he just kind of hangs up the phone and leaves the bag there. He goes downstairs. There's this nice little old lady who <laughs> picks up the bag. He goes, oh, this is left for me. I don't see your name on it. And he's like, it's mine. F you, you a-hole. And then he just bends over. I, I don't know what it is with that lady, but it's good times, man. She cracks me up every time I see that part of I love that he has a tracking chip or whatever you want to call it, a tracking device in his head, and the way to block the signals is to wrap a wet towel around your head. Right? Um, it is funny. Uh, you know, I did forget to mention a little bit before this, uh, was the CGI scene where he's running through the, um, uh, you know, the thing that basically – it's like a scanner, you know, right, and right. It, it, it scans you and they see that he has a gun. He, when he jumps through the glass, it's kind of like in slow motion and they make this really cool sound effect. It goes along with the score. I've always enjoyed that. It, it's always fun. And I believe it's really the only CG. It's the first CGI. Uh, it's the only CGI shot in the film and they didn't think they could pull it off. And when you actually watch them do it, it, I mean, as they said, anybody with the, regular windows pc can do it today right but at that time it was some big stuff but uh the thing with johnny cab before he got to the hotel my favorite line in the film is when johnny cab wants his money and he's like sue me dickhead i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i still use that today my my favorite line in this movie is i got five kids to feed that's hands down my favorite line in the whole movie and then later i I got four kids to feed what happened to the fifth (laughs) (laughs) i say that I'll, especially online, right? Like I'll be like in a in a group or something. Somebody'll say something and just I'll just randomly say, "Man, I got five kids to feed." And they're like, "Huh?" 
I'm like, you don't get that reference? You know, it's something I, I take away from this movie, and I've used it ever since 1990. It's well, you got to take something. Right, exactly. But you're right. The wet towel thing, he looks really funny, but he pulls it off. You know, that that's one thing I do appreciate. Uh, and so he, he takes off and he goes to kind of this abandoned, it's lots of rats. It's kind of like an abandoned, I don't know, building or alley or whatever you want. Warehouse. Yeah, warehouse. So he he takes a look at the suitcase. He got pink money. You know, my wife loved the fact, hey, I want some pink money in this, you know, in this day and age. Who uh, doesn't? Then he pulls out this big old stick looking thing. He kind of looks like a gun, but he's like, ah, oh, that looks weird. And he puts it down, pulls out kind of a laptop sees his face, and then Quaid starts talking to himself. And, of course, he's like, you are not you. You're me. No crap. That's, like, my second favorite line of the film. (laughs) I love it. And so that's when he starts to tell him, hey, you good buddy are, you know, you're me. You need to take out Cohagen because what you have in your mind is what he wants. That's why all these people are after you. So let's start by getting the tracker out of your head. And this is an iconic scene, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. when, when you oh, think yeah. of Total Recall, this is the scene that you, you, you think of, really. Out of the top three moments, this is probably number one or two. I would agree. Desired. But the fake head, though, like the fake head looks terrible when it's coming, the lady coming off of his face. That's total Terminator 1 head. Mm-hmm. But, but this fake head looks really good, dude. It, it, <laughs> it's full me for a long time. So Well, that's good. Uh, I can't not see it now, but... Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the uh, the classic him pulling the huge ball out of his nose. Oh man, so painful, man. When he's like, just put it up there. When you hear a crunch, you got mm-hmm. it. And I love how Hauser is smiling, just like, yeah. man, I'm enjoying this pain, even though obviously he can't see what's going on. He's just visualizing it for you know his future self. I love just that whole how they do the camera back and forth to that. I always enjoyed that. Yep. So he gets the tracker out of his head, gives it to some rats, sticks it in a candy bar. Rats take it. And I love uh, what's his face's buddy, uh, Richter's buddy, the guy with the glasses. Yep. He's got the little tracker in his hand. I always love when he's like, there, there, there. It's it, such an idiot. Just the way he says it is so <laughs> funny, though, man. It, it's good times. And then they realize he got the tracker out of his head. So after this, that's when we get the, the lady scene, essentially, because uh, – Hauser yep. tells him that take the ID I gave you and you need to go to Molina's place uh, and show him that card. It'll get you in. So get your ass to Mars, which is the, well, probably the most famous line of this movie. And how convenient when the guys shoot the computer, he happens to repeat that line over and over again. Because <laughs> clearly those guys would have no idea where he was going if the computer didn't give it away. Right. Right. Got to love technology of 2084. Way to go. So you're supposed to laugh at that, man. I gotcha. All right. There you go. <laughs> Just making sure you're still with me. All right. So this is the first time we get the external shot of Mars. He's on a train to go to yep. Mars. And we do a far away. I, I mean, obviously, this is a miniature. Looks really cool. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just love the red effects, man. It's like this really like bright dark red at the same time they just do a fantastic job with this and it actually was it was actually cut from the film because they couldn't afford it but arnold helped get this scene back in the film because the director said we have no long shots of mars all we have is you know internal up close stuff we need something and that's when they threw this scene back in the film i don't know if you know this mike but mars is known as the red planet i know 
That's a that's a little tip. It's little true. Tip to the listeners. It's true. But you got to admit, I, the red color, the just the way they the, the camera color. It's good stuff, man. Don't you agree? Good times. <sighs> it didn't feel right coming out of my mouth. I didn't like that. <laughs> very I'm not good. Doing that ever again. Very good. All right. I don't like saying very good either. Yeah. We should switch, we should switch that. We should. Yeah. I I think I should say good times and you should say very good. Let's stick with that. Let's let's do that. So we get the external shot of Mars, and and so Arnold gets there, and we got a woman, big lady, uh, <laughs> obviously, and the whole point is to get past security because yeah. uh, you know uh, what's his name? Jeez, uh, oh, Hauser? Uh, no, Quaid. Uh, <laughs> this, this is terrible. Richter. Oh, yes, Richter. There we go. I lost my train of thought there. Richter has a new bunch of guys with him, and they're all mad because he's like, look, if you didn't lose Quaid to begin with, we wouldn't have this problem. And the lady going through, is, which is Quaid, says two weeks. You know, They say, how long are you going to be there? She's got this real dorky smile on her face, two weeks. Now, here's something that I don't get. So his head obviously is malfunctioning. Why Why is he making it so obvious to people? I mean, he takes a long time to take that head off. <laughs> no, two weeks. I two don't, weeks. I don't understand what he was thinking in this scene when his face starts to jack up. I mean, run off or do something. I don't get what, it, what his thinking was here. I don't know. I've never had that happen to me. Um, fingers crossed I never have to deal with that uh, or my head malfunctions. Um, but... You know, it's. It, I actually really dig this, though. I mean, because the obviously the lady that's supposed to be Quaid is an actual lady, and then you cut to the crazy fake lady head that's malfunctioning, and uh, I love. Even though it's an obvious rubber head when when he starts to take it off, I love the whole effect from the beginning to the end of him like. Hitting the thing in the side of the neck, and the thing comes out, and boom, push it back in, and all of a sudden it, the head starts kind of opening up in sections. You're like, "What right, is right. this?" I love that man. That was one of my favorite things. Where the first time I saw the movie, that was like the the thing that and the nose scene that we talked about. The two things that stuck with me, like that was crazy. It still looks, you know, outside of the the rubber head. I mean, it's really the for me, it's the only scene that. He, his face looks bad because the eye stuff, it, it all looks great. It actually looks like Arnold is really doing that and just has a lot of really good makeup on. Because mm-hmm. honestly, that was the only fake head I thought was in this movie. The other stuff I thought was legit. And I was just like, wow, they did a really good job with that. But as you say, it, it actually makes sense now. But it still looks really great. I mean, th- the way the head comes off. I mean, obviously, when the head's sitting there, get ready for a surprise. Right. Y- you can kind of see a little bit discoloration between the head and the hand, but it's mm-hmm. it's so forgivable because the scene itself is just so great. Now, clearly, the bomb exploded, and it, uh, it obviously blew the, the dome uh, windows. So, of course, they're being sucked out. Uh, right. And... The thing that I was wondering is, is did he want that to happen? Because what happened if that last door had it didn't have that delay that it did? What if it closed as the other ones did? He would have been screwed. He would have been stuck there, and he would have been captured or what killed. What an idiot! That would have backfired big time. Right. So he's I, just lucky. He's lucky it all worked out. True enough. 
I, I guess that's the best way to look at it. I mean, it, it's something little, but it's something I've always thought. I was like, what if that door had closed as the other windows did? You would have been screwed, Quaid. But what if that head malfunctioned while he was still wearing it and blew up? Oh, man. That would have really sucked for him. <laughs> oh, man. I never thought about it that yeah, way, man. Yeah. Talk about a way to end a movie, right? You can, blew your mind like wow i didn't see that coming like that that should be the perfect ending he's like oh what's this he puts the head on you're like oh it's an awesome effect all of a sudden the head blows up and you go Boom. To, you go to credits, credits. <laughs> what the we just rewrote total recall i love oh, it oh that's horror movie style I love that would have been better than the new one <laughs> right oh my <laughs> gosh it's so terrible all right, so at this point, Arnold finds his way to Molina, which Molina is, uh, what's this, the last resort, right? Yes. Well, actually, he goes to safety deposit box. That's how he finds out about the last resort. Uh, oh, yes. And he, that's when he gets a piece of paper. It's got a naked chick on it. On the back, it says, for good time, ask for Molina. I like how he grabs the pen, sees, hey, I think this is my handwriting. Writes yep. Molina, looks exactly the same. He's like, yep. I gave this to myself. This is from me. <laughs> and that's when he, uh, we come across Benny for the first time, which Benny is the cab driver who mm-hmm. I really, dude, even though at, later on he becomes a trader and everything, I really enjoy all of Benny's stuff, man. He's really funny. Yeah, he's the comic relief. You know, he's, he's the replacement buddy and the, uh, the comic relief in this movie. Yeah, he's a good time. Yeah. You know, of course, he's like, I got five kids to feed. I love yeah. that. Um, you know, he has a, a memorable moment where he's like, babe, you make me wish I had three hands. You know, everybody remembers that. Uh, I think you're doing good with two. Uh, of course, the last resort is a place full of uh, mutants and or, K- or AKA freaks, as Arnold likes to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little girl, man, was uh, really cute. The one that tries to read his palm and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, a- there's actually a guy, uh, which I... I can't remember this or not. Did you say you used to watch Breaking Bad or you did not watch Breaking Bad? I love Breaking Bad. Okay. So Tony is played by Dean Norris. Do you remember who Dean Norris is? Dean Norris. Dean Norris. He was DEA agent Hank Schrader in oh, he, Breaking oh, Bad. Oh, that was Hank under there? Yes, it was, sir. Nice. Because he is in one of my favorite shows I watch on CBS. It's called Under the Dome. It's a Stephen King book uh-huh. and TV show. Do you do you know that about that show? I know of it. Okay. So Under the Dome, he plays Big Jim. He is the leader of the town. Uh, and he plays a he plays a very kind of shield type of character, all in it for himself kind of thing. But yes, uh, that is him, which uh, I absolutely love. Of course, he's in Terminator Two, Starship Troopers, you know. But uh, as soon as I saw his face, I was like, that looks like Big Jim uh, from Under the Dome. I'm gonna check it out, and sure enough, it was. And I was like, oh, he's in Breaking Bad. I'm like, I'm sure Jameson's gonna know who that guy is. Well, hot damn, I knew exactly. There you go. So he has a really good line of, you know, you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here, and Arnold, look who's talking. Because uh, <laughs> his face is mutated. Right. So essentially, <laughs> he goes to see Molina, and uh, it's the girl of his dreams, literally right. the girl he's been dreaming about, which is also the girl that he created uh, in Recall, surprisingly. So Molina, the first time she sees Quaid, she's very excited to see him, gives him you know, a kiss. You think everything's honky-dory until she takes him upstairs into her office, if you will, slaps him across the face, and he tries to tell her, hey, look. I'm not Hauser. I'm Quaid. I'm a good guy. I have no idea what's going on. She doesn't believe the guy, right? She's Why like, would you? You're like, you're giving me a bunch of crap. And he's like, it was built by aliens. And she's like, aliens? Like, wait, that's not the thing that gets her, though. 
The thing that gets her is the fact he says he has a wife. Yes. And uh, she doesn't She's not like, down with that. Yeah, she's not down with that. That's why she throws him out. It's not because he was faking his death or anything, and it's not because he's talking about aliens. It's because he's got a wife. That's not a good thing, sir. No. She's got morals. Oh, my God. She's a hooker with a heart of gold. That's what, that's what makes her mad, kicks him out. And we find out that Quato is the uh, is the guy kind of running things in this particular part of the area. I mean, uh, who's Quato, essentially, sir? <laughs> Who is Quato? Yeah. Quato is kind of the, yeah, he's all, the all-powerful guy that everybody's got to answer to. Nobody knows really who Quato is. Nobody's seen the guy, right? Nobody knows what Quato's story is, but all they know is they got to fear him because Quato, he's running the show. He's running things. Exactly. He's the principal. <laughs> the principal. <laughs> the principal. Yes. Uh, all right. So that so that's who he is. Okay. I'm sure he's tall, ruggedly handsome. I'm sure he's got a a nice solid chin. Really good looking guy. From the, from all descriptions of him, that's what I'm guessing. Oh man, good times. All right. So at this point, this is where he goes back to, I guess, this hotel room, right? Because, you know, he's been kicked out by Molina, but we see the guy who essentially will be Quato later on kind of looks at him, looks back at, you know, Molina, say, you know, what's going on? And he looks real familiar, which if you've seen Twins, he was the, you know, hitman trying to go and get his money back, you know. So those two have been in the movie together. So good times. How about that? And that's when we get a knock on the door. And we see the guy who was in the recall commercial that we saw in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the talk, as you were talking. It's about uh, take the blue pill or the red pill Matrix style, right? Is, is that what it is in Matrix? Red pill, blue pill? <laughs> I can't sure. remember. I hate that movie, so whatever. Uh, wow. Yeah. I never liked the Matrix, dude. All right. I don't know what it is. You like that movie, son? I like the first one. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. It's like you were proven right in the end because the third movie is awful. Okay, I'm glad I never invested the rest of worst, my time in that. Worst finish to a series since Godfather Three. Really? Oh, it's terrible. God. All right. So this is when this guy comes in and says, "Hey, guess what? You're still on Earth, and this is all part of the thing." He's like, "No, this is BS. It's all coincidence." He's like, "Think about it. You know, think about uh, you know the guys are after you. You know." And then he brings up Molina. He's like, "Oh no, no, no." I was dreaming about her before I even went to recall. And the guy really doesn't have anything to say about that. So then it walks Sharon Stone, Lori. Yep. Lori. He's like, oh, you're here again. You know, you're back for more. And she's like, baby, it's me. You know, I, I do love her sweet, innocent, you know, looking face, all concerned. She pulled, man, she's, I could see why she got the role of basic instinct because of uh, just how convincing she was of being psychotic, really. I'll tell you how she got the role of basic instinct. Never mind. Um, <laughs> family friendly. Uh, right. Right. And this is where dude is like, hey, you just take this pill. You go back to reality. You got this beautiful wife here. It's going to be great. You're going to be, oh, man, and you'll have, it, it'll be the best. Because right now, you're sitting in a chair at home or in, in our office. None of this is happening. So just take the pill so you can wake up. And Arnold's like, well, I don't know about this. Not so sure. And you see his dude is kind of sweating. Right. <laughs> like, he's like, what happens if I just kill you? He's like, well, then you'll be trapped forever. And I'm like, well, yeah. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he shoots him in the head. 
And, you know, you see the explosion on them. I mean, it's this guy from director Robocop, for God's sake. Right. And Sharon Stone's like, oh, you've done it. Now you've done it. Oh, man, it's so good, dude. Yep. She's so overacting that part. And he's just like, whatever. And that's when the guys come crashing in, and they take him out. And, man, she whoops his rear end, man. She stomps on his nuts, kicks him in the face. She does a great job. Yeah. And uh, he essentially, you think that's it for Quaid. In walks Melina in the elevator, smoking dudes. Uh, But luckily, Lori was smart enough to hide away. And then they get into our, our female fight. Of the movie. Yep. Uh, what do you think of this fight, sir? Pretty solid. Good times, man. Uh, Pretty I, solid watching, chick fight. <laughs> watch, watching the behind-the-scenes stuff and watching them prepare for it, they really they really took a lot. You know, Sharon Stone said she had a lot of black and blue marks just trying to get everything right. And it, it's definitely a very solid fight scene. I really dig it. I agree. And, uh, of course, my favorite, you know, not my favorite line, it's, got, it's up there, is, uh, you know, honey, you wouldn't hurt me. You know, we're married, considered a divorce after he shoots her in the head. Classic Arnold one-liner. Now, he shoots her two times. Where'd the second bullet go? Because hmm. the first bullet doesn't hit her head. It's the second bullet that hits her head. So where'd the first bullet go? I guess it probably broke another window and sucked some more people out of there. <laughs> and she's like, reckless. that's your wife? He's like, yeah. And I just, I love it when she's just like, what a bitch. And then he just kind of rolls his eyes like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. What was I? What was I thinking? You know, they're they're on the run from the rest of the guys, and they go back to they go in the Benny's cab, and she's like, last resort. He's like, whoa, you guys are going in circles, and uh, he his car gets shot up. He's like, I got five kids to feed, and he crashes in the last resort. And I love the little place, the little hideout that Tony has, and I like the fact that you know Douglas is like, hey, thanks, Tony, I appreciate it. Tony, you the man. I was looking out for me. <laughs> So then, uh, so Tony uh, gets him in this little area, and I like how it gets all covered up. And then, of course, we have uh, what's his name, Michael Ironside's character yeah, comes Richter. in. Richter comes in, sees the place is all clean. He's gonna shoot some folks up, right? And, and, and the people he shoots up, one of them is the uh, the three breasted prostitute. She gets Damn. she gets smoked. What a loss! And then we had a little, we have a little person. Uh, who's very cool. She gets a nice, you know, stab to somebody's chest in a few minutes. Yeah. And uh, it, it's good times, man. There's a big gun scene. And then uh, we will later find out that uh, as they're looking for this place to, uh, you know, he, he has an idea where he wants to go, but he's not really sure. That's when uh, Quato's guys finds them and takes them to their hideout. But they didn't really want to take Benny until Benny reveals that he's a mutant. And they're like, oh, okay, well, if you're a mutant, there you go. Now, the reason why Benny is there is that is the person that Cohagen was talking about when he's talking to Richter and says, look, you've screwed things up. I don't give you permission to think. I've got an idea. I want you to play along. You think I got you a backup plan. Right. And that's when he's like, great, because if you don't, I'm going to race your sorry ass. That's where Benny comes in. He becomes the person that has to, you know, become friends with Douglas Quaid to find Quato. And Quato is this guy who's inside a guy's belly. <laughs> uh, it's a great reveal, though, because, uh, you know, uh, Quaid is talking to dude. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he talks to Quato and he turns around. And then and then a rubber person basically turns back around. Yeah. With this half human 
like his his twin who was a conjoined twin who didn't fully develop but has special ESP powers he, and a phenomenal voice. He look he looks great. Obviously, um, the guy that is actually holding Quato, the um, host body, the yeah. ho- the host body. Um, gosh, okay, so Marshall Bell uh, as George and is the voice of Quato. Okay, so. Let me let me click on Marshall Bell here to make sure this is the same guy that we're talking about. Yeah, Marshall Bell. Okay, so yep. Marshall Bell, he was uh, in uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street two. He was the uh, gym teacher. Uh, he was in Twins, Stand by Me, Total Recall. Okay, so Mar- he's quickly replaced by a rubber version of himself. Right, exactly. Now um, his upper body obviously is rubber. Looks really bad. It's definitely the worst effect in regards to. The body, you know, the the fake body heads, that doesn't look too good. You right. know, it, it, that's the weakest special effects of the film. The Quado himself looks really good because there was 19 puppeteers. So that looked really solid. There's one thing I hate about about Quado is the, you know, he wants to read Quaid's mind to find out what it is Cohagen knows. Right. That, that Quaid can't find out. When he's like, open your mind and he says it like 500 times. I hate that. <laughs> it's so annoying to me. I don't know what it is. I've never liked it since the first time I've seen the movie. Mike, uh, just open your mind. <sighs> say, open your mind. Say it twice. Mike, open your mind. Why do you guys say it ten times? Open your mind. Open your mind. Wait, open your mind. It's so terrible, dude. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and then we get the reveal, essentially, of the thing that is going to be the savior of Mars the place that the aliens built. Now, here's my dumb question, okay? So the aliens, they come to Mars, they build this big old machine mm-hmm. that when you turn it on, it gives an atmosphere. Because Cohagen, it, it, he controls the airflow, and he just shut that off. Right. Right? So everyone's suffocating okay. at this point. Okay. Is so that right? He, here's what I took it as. I thought the aliens built it and were ignorant and never turned it on. At what po- if that's the case, when did, you know, Cohagen turn the air off? I thought there was no, never no, no. never I, air there. He no, just- there was there was always air there. That's why I mean there was always an, an atmosphere there. He was in control of it. He had the monopoly on the situation. That's why he shut down the fan at one point and then it started to get a little desperate around there. Right, right. Yeah, that that part it's right. Right, and so they're they need some sort of air because there's a lot of rubber heads there that eyes are starting to bulge out on. Right, my question isn't okay. So yeah, you're right. Cohagen, he's in control of the air. We know that, and he shuts off the air for all the people in the last resort and everything else to basically oh. say, you know, screw them, let them all die. That's right. But the aliens built a machine that will give air to the whole entire planet. Here's my dumb question. Why did the aliens never turn it on? Maybe the planet wasn't inhabited enough yet. Maybe we, we could tie this into Prometheus and oh, how, the, how the aliens were the, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, not going to be that guy. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the other answer I have is I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That that's the one thing I'm, you know, one of the things where I was always like, why didn't they ever turn it on? But 
I mean, obviously, if they did, we wouldn't have the movie we, you know, we have. I'm just talking, you know, logically here, you know, in in this universe, you know, thinking mm-hmm. sci-fi, why didn't the aliens ever turn it on? Uh, now, I honestly believe that Cohagen did not know that if you turn the machine on, it will give air. He really thought that it would be a meltdown of Mars if you turn it on. That right. really is what I really thought. Even to the end, right before he dies, he's like, no, you're going to kill us all. You know, but uh, Quaid or we should say Hauser actually found out about it. And that's kind of what, you know, started this whole thing. How did he find out? He finds out that the machine will give air. He knew that. Or did he not know that? And that's how Quato kind of put two and two together. Is that essentially how it comes to be? Maybe Quato put it into his mind. Uh, I'm, I'm talking serious here, sir. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, I'm, this is really the only part of the story that's vague. Right now, people are yelling like, you guys are idiots. I know, right? Morons. If you got a theory that you would like to expound upon, <laughs> you can send that in to us at stlpodcast at gmail.com. Very good, son. I got it? Yeah. Yeah. Good so you go ahead and bring your smart theories because I'm, I'm just peeling back the curtain. I lost all my notes for this movie, so <laughs> flying, flying with no rudder right now. And and to be honest, my notes unfortunately were cut in half, and I lost up to this point in the movie. I no longer have notes, so I'm trying to go off the you know memory here. So please forgive us. We're a little unprepared for this. We apologize, folks. We're trying our best here, but that's just a- like every other episode. That, that's always the fun times, though. Okay, so I always took it as that somehow uh, you know Hauser found out that the machine would turn it on, but then since Hauser is the right-hand man to Cohagen, he would have right. told them. So and then I'd say, okay, well, there's no way Hauser knew. But based on every location that he went, you know, they do show that. You know, when Quato's reading his mind, they show all the locations that Hauser went. He mm-hmm. puts two and two together and says, turn on the reactor. It'll. He, that's what he tries to tell him. Turn on the reactor. It will. And then, boom, he gets shot in the head. So right. I, I think it's Quato, and that's when... Quaid figures it out that, ah, all I got to do is turn on the reactor, and he puts he figures it out himself. So that that's kind of the logical conclusion. I he is the with. hero, so, I mean, right. he's got to figure it out. Now, essentially, this is the part where uh, they get captured by, uh, you know, Cohagen and everything, and Cohagen tries to tell him that, look, everything you've been through in this adventure is because your other self was a douchebag, essentially. Right. And he's like, yeah, who, who are you going to show me next? My mother. And then, you know, he comes on. He's like, hey, good buddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I love I love how he tells Cohagen it's the best mind F yet. You know, where, mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, everything's too perfect. And and he goes off to him and says that, no, it wasn't perfect. You've screwed this up, this up and this up. But he says it so fast where I was kind of like, I don't really get what, what he screwed up, you know, because. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael um, Richter. You know, Rick, Richter. He didn't know about this situation. He because of the recall thing. That's why he went on assignment to try to kill Quaid. I I don't know why Cohagen never told you know Richter about you know Quaid, but hmm. Wow. Hmm. Uh-huh. This is terrible, son. It, I'm, I'm this following, is our, I'm this following is our, along. Okay, this has got to be our worst review ever. Okay. I love it. All right. <laughs> okay, so so essentially, 
um, I, we basically established at this point that um, Richter did not know of Cohagen and Hauser's plan together. I guess that was the whole point. He was on a need-to-know basis. Okay, so, okay, need-to-know basis, that makes sense. Because as he says, you know, this guy's been trying to kill me the whole time. Why would you do that? And that's when he explains, no, he didn't know anything like this. Right. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the part of the film that I hate. Okay. So after he tells him, look, I'm going to take you back to be in Hauser, and then we're going to fix Melina over here so she gets to be, you know, your sex slave, basically. Right. And, and she spits in his face. And uh, essentially, he's like, I'll see you at the party. Now, I, I do like the fact that Richter, you know, punches him because he's like, is he going to remember any of this? He punches him. And those two walk off, right? We get a fun adventure of, of Quaid and Molina trying to escape, and we get the classic Arnold faces. I mean, these are like <laughs> hardcore, super funny faces. They're excellent. It's excellent, a violent scene where he pulls the thing out, stabs the guy in the, you know, in the neck, and I love when he sticks the thing in the guy's head. That whole thing is awesome. Here's the thing that I hate of the movie. So we have Cohagen that goes through all this trouble to get Hauser back, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he says to kill him. After he just put his ass in the chair to get him back, all of a sudden he's just like, kill him. He, he gives Richter the permission to kill him. Why did he do that? That makes no damn sense. I think he felt intimidated. I think he realized that he's a loose cannon. That he's, you know, I got I to gotta get rid of this guy because he, who knows what's going to happen with this guy. He's already beat the, uh, the memory wipe once before. You know what? We've got everything we needed out of him. We've got him to do everything that we'd set him out to do. Now it's time to just eliminate him. Okay. I don't know. I I've guess never actually seen this movie. <laughs> As you can tell from my review. <laughs> this is a be- classic movies rabbits never seen. <laughs> be the best. I read a two paragraph Wikipedia description. <laughs> and and I, I read the, I read the like a 23 page comic book and i put two and two together i I watched the new one so i'm assuming that's all i needed oh my gosh and then colin farrell steps in (sighs) all right so then we have uh essentially benny versus arnold now arnold's had all these amazing one-liners up to this point right why does he have the screw you that was stupid why couldn't he come up with something better than screw you he should have said hasta la vista baby or uh, not even, man. Just he should have said, "I'll be back." <laughs> no, man. No. Should have said something else. Yeah. What, what should he have said, man? Hmm. Boom! You're dead. I'm really good at these, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh! Terrible. No, it's not. This is terrible. Son. Keep going. Push oh. through. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not Hasta La Vista. No, mm-hmm. man. He should have said, uh, you know, t- who is it's your not daddy? A tumor. Who is your daddy and what does he do? He right. should have said something like that, right? Yes. yes. So, yeah, essentially he kills, you know, he finally gets it. And he, he kills Benny. And Benny luckily opened up the a- alien area. That was very fortuitous for everyone. Yes. And we kind of get at this point they're they're on the mission and there's this really cool gadget that we didn't talk about. It's a hologram thing. It's kind of like a hologram watch. Mm-hmm. Puts it on, gives him a hologram of himself. So I love this whole gunfight thing. Very cool. Uh, what do you think of this scene, sir? 
I agree. Very cool. Gunfight scene. Um, I'm drawing a blank on. It, that's where, you know, Arnold goes in and all of a sudden he gets shot up by all the guys. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, yeah. And he falls down. Right. And, and then he starts laughing and walks away. And then he gives it to Molina and then he, he'll run. He'll run into some guys. He turns his head and says, ha, ha, ha. You, didn't think this, right. you don't think this is the real Hauser, is, do you? He's like, it is. And then he says, It was like the Entered the Dragon uh, Room of Mirrors. Oh, yeah. So, know, that's what it was kind of like. Like, hey, I'm here. You, think, you really think it's me? Like, okay, no. Oh, it is. Ha, <laughs> ha, boom. Yeah, you don't think. Yeah. That, oh, so good, man. Yeah, I love yeah. It. it's pretty good. And then here's what I like. This fight between uh, Quaid and Richter on the elevator, it's pretty raw. You know, it's because Arnold's really flashy with this fighting and stuff, but it's actually like a real, it almost looks like a street fight almost. Yeah. I, it, it's really cool. I, I really like the choreography in this scene. They made Arnold look like a regular guy. Right. You know, even though he's been killing folks this whole movie, this particular scene, they, Richter is obviously better than all the guys that he's been killing off. So they got to make it a worthy fight. And it actually, you know, you know, because Richter isn't a huge guy. But they make it very believable, this fight. No, he's just, he's he's a well-trained soldier. Yeah. You know, he's made it to the top for a reason. So, yeah, it yeah. was. It's, it is a good a good uh, little fight scene there. And then top it all off with his arms being ripped off. And, <laughs> See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> is that velvet? What is that velvet? <laughs> Terrible. Got to get that in there, son. <laughs> Oh man, that's your oh good times. All right, so then uh, we get basically the big finale, right? Yep. So they're almost at the thing, and we have Cohagen. Uh, uh, he's got a bomb. He's about ready to detonate, it. and that's when you know Quaid he gets his hands on it just enough time, throws it in what a, a reactor or something like a little hole or a big what is it, like a big fan or something. What does he throw that thing in? That yeah, he throws hole. it into the uh, the. Uh, thermal shaft oh okay and and that blows up therefore sucking all them out there now uh, of course quaid hasn't activated the machine yet and cohagen gets thrown out there and he eventually suffocates and his eyes explode out of his head mm-hmm. and we get the same effect uh with melina and quaid here's yeah. really the i i really enjoy the the fun factor of this scene and i mean you've gone along with this whole movie you got to go along with this scene and i know they set it up in the very beginning of the film that this is what would happen if you get into this atmosphere in mars but when you have like red eyes your red eyes don't go you don't clear up instantly and there's no way in hell if this is what's really happening to your face there's no way that your eyes are going to be all crystal clear right after this is done it kind of ta- it kind of takes me out of the way. How many times have you been on Mars? I have never been on Mars. How many times have you been on Mars without a helmet? <laughs> I've never been on Mars. So how do you know that when your eyes get sucked out of your head, basically, and then they snap back in, that they're not perfectly normal right after that? <sighs> I think you're assuming a lot here. I'm calling BS on this one. Man. All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, so essentially, uh, he's like, hey, I hope this isn't a, you know, what if this is a dream? And she's like, well, you better kiss me before uh, we wake up Uh, because, you know, air has now been established. Everybody in Mars has air. It's all good. 
and they kind of give you the, you know, take the ending how you want to take it. Is he lobotomized on Earth or is this really been his adventure and he's staying on Mars? They they leave it open to you as I guess that's kind of a good thing where you can take it both ways. Right. Uh, as If this was Patrick Swayze, that would have been the ending where you would have, he clearly was lobotomized. But since this is Arnold, you're like, oh, no. Wait a minute. Are you saying something bad about Swayze? I love Swayze, man. Roadhouse is still my favorite you just Swayze. just be careful. You know what I'm saying? Roadhouse and Ghost, those are my Swayze movies, all right? That's what I'm saying. You, if you got a problem with Roadhouse and Ghost, you got a problem with me. I just All right, good. I just want to make sure. Okay. We weren't bashing right. Swayze around here. No, I, I even like Dirty Dancing, okay? All right, even nope, nope, you're wrong now. Sorry. You took it too far. No. <laughs> Come on, man. I know it's the ultimate chick flick, but it's still even, you know, it's very watchable. So I just agree. Like, just like Grease 2 is better than Grease 1. I concur. There you go. All right, sir. So since we've pretty much totally sucked at this review. Oh, yeah. No, this is the quintessential Total Recall review. Th- this is by far our worst review ever of a film. By far. I mean, I would I- probably agree. I would say even Quick Change, we did worse on this than we did on Quick Change. Yeah, we really I mean, nailed it. With Quick Change, we were just bored on that, I think. I can't remember. I uh, was sleepy. You were sleepy. Okay. Uh, but since we've, boot- we've butchered this review, yep. hopefully people have had a good- few good laughs out of this. We nailed it. Um, so, you know, overall with this movie, mm-hmm. this is definitely a very smart movie. Uh, I... I would feel I think this is, you know, really kind of stretch Arnold's acting chops. I don't really think we've really seen him stretch out more than what we get in this movie. Uh, I'm glad that the way things worked out the way it did where uh, it was Arnold's movie, essentially, and and all the changes that they did and all this and that. Uh, I think it's a really solid science fiction movie. It, it make it's still to this day, despite how many times you've seen it, still leaves some question marks in the back of your head. You know, it's not 100 percent. You know, you got the answer. It's mm-hmm. a it's a great looking poster. It just really sells itself. So, um, you know, I would say I'm still at a four and a half with this movie. Um, you know, as far as far as like effects go, you know, some of them are dated, but based on its time was so fantastic back then and really doesn't take me out of it outside of like the eyeball stuff. But we've made fun of that and everything like that. And in, in this universe, you can go along with it. But I think I would give it a very strong four stars and a week, four and a half uh, for nostalgia. It's probably the finest acting performance out of Arnold you're going to get, possibly. Um, I don't know. Uh, wh- where do you stand at? Yeah, I actually, um, for the longest time, this was like, well, before the Colin Farrell Total Recall movie came out, and when they first announced it, I was actually pretty excited because if you're going to do an Arnold movie, I thought this was the movie out of all of his big, you know, Arnold movies. This was the one that you could take Arnold out of because it wasn't the, all the things in predator or the Terminator series or anything like that, where it was all just Arnold being physical, you know, it's to, to your point where he was actually kind of acting a little bit. Right. And so I thought that, well, this could work because it's a cool story and it, the, the the film wasn't dependent on just Arnold being who he was. And and that's a testament to the story of it. Now, they completely jacked that up when they did it. But that was kind of my thinking was like, this is such a cool story. And this wasn't just Arnold busting through guys, just, you know, being all big and bad and muscly. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff to it that 
It could be one of the few. You've seen what happens when they try and do Terminator movies without Arnold or Predator movies without Arnold. They don't Ex- quite they don't quite work out as well. Right, exactly. Um and so yeah, and, and so for the for the story and everything involved, I love it. I, I still I still enjoy it. You know, that like you say, it it is dated in in some parts, but um I give it basically the exact same score as you. I give it a very strong four of uh, I could go four and a half, but um, it, it's right in there, and it's it's up there with some of my favorite Arnold movies. Excellent. Now we've given Predator five stars, right? Uh, and and that movie is five stars for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, there's so many different things in that movie that make it five stars. Versus this one is really just an Arnold movie, so it doesn't take away. You know, even though. Uh, we said Predator's five stars, and you're like, well, th- if this is Arnold's best acting performance, why aren't you giving this five stars? It's because Predator had a lot of things going to get it to that oh, yeah. five stars. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, and then of course Terminator Two, same situation. It's uh, you know arguably Arnold's greatest movie. I think I think we mm-hmm. both said that, or or maybe I I can't even remember. We have so much love for Terminator 2 and, and Predator. They're kind of interchangeable, you know, basically. But uh, those two are definitely five-star Arnold movies. This one is a fantastic science fiction film, probably one of the greatest science fiction films. There's a lot out there, and there's a lot of trash, and there's a lot. There's some good, and there's some great. And I would put this in the great category of science fiction films uh, for sure. Fair enough. All right. All right, sir. So that is it for our review. So shall we get into the STL Nation and hear what they have to say, sir? Oh, I can't wait. All right, let's get into it, sir. One shot, everything rides on tonight. Even if I've got three strikes, I'm going to go for it. This moment, we own it. I'm not to be played with because it could get dangerous. Okay, so first things first. We have uh, an email from John, the music man on Better Off Dead, which I forgot to read. So here we go. Hello, STL Nation, Mike and Jameson. First off, I have a question for the nation. How many people want a 67 Camaro because of this movie? For me, this was my dream muscle car, and here's a cool site to visit to see the car. Uh, He gives the link. It's betteroffdeadcamaro.com. Uh, and since I am the music man, I have to mention about the music from the, the dance. It feels uh, it's just good times. Uh, it's so 80s. And the quotes, so many good ones. I want my $2. I'm sorry we blew up your mother. I can't say enough good things about this movie. And I hope you really enjoy it, Mike. John, the music man. So there you go. Excellent. All right. So you know we have a contest, sir, correct? I do, yes. All right. So the contest was that all you had to do was write in, let me know if you want a Legend of Billie Jean Blu-ray or an STL t-shirt. I thought we'd get a lot of uh, people writing in, sir. We throw it all in a hat. There we go. Only two people wrote in for this contest, sir. Lazy. This is pathetic. Laziness. So the first person that wrote in was uh, our girl, uh, Lisa the Legend. Yep. And here's what she said. Hi, y'all. Okay, so I'm late to the party, but I'm here. I'll be short and sweet. Why I want to win, not necessarily deserve to win, because I want to rock some STL gear. And uh, who hooked you up with your buddy Billy? Laugh out loud, which I can't can't argue with that one. Uh, No, I would never use that. I just want swag to promote the nation. Take care, Lisa the legend. So I was like, very cool. All right. Uh, and then she says, P.S., how cool is it that you can say you've got international friends? Well, sort of. Laugh out loud. So 
Good times. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Where does she live? She lives in uh, Canada, sir. Whereabouts? I need to actually look at her email to see where that uh, is. She lives in Nova Scotia. I just wanted oh. to hear you try and say it. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to make an ass of myself again. So, <laughs> All right. So our second person from the contest is John the Music Man, Mr. Mistunis. Well, what would I want? Both, of course. Okay. Why I should win? Well, I am the music man, and me and you have about 90% taste in music and movies. Plus, I agree, Return of Jedi is the best Star Wars movie because Ewoks rocks and green lightsabers. Have a great day, John the Music Man. Now, I know you would uh, respectfully disagree. It's Empire Strikes Back, which is all good in the hood. Correct. Uh, so those are the two that wrote in. So guess what? You two are the winners. Yay! Now, uh, you both get an STL t-shirt. Uh, yours is coming, sir. I'm having that special order for you, Ooh. so be on the lookout. Since I only had two... I was like, well, not much of a competition. So yep. there you go. So Great thank job. you. Thank you for participating in the contest. Maybe we'll do more in the future and uh, we'll get more participants. So thank you so much. All right, sir. We have a new member of the STL Nation, sir. Woo-hoo. So what do we say when that happens, sir? <clears throat> Banzai! <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Banzai, Daniel, sir. Hey, Banzai! Banzai! All right, sir. So this comes from my boy, Bart Luciano. This is my boy. uh, I grew up with in Chicago, man, on the south side, the killer side. Uh, Man, we we grew up in church together, so we've known each other a very long time. Uh, He's he's my Mexican homie. We talk about Mexican jokes all the time. It's all good. So here's what he had to say. This is about Gremlins, sir, about the Gremlins 2 episode. I've heard of it. That's what it was on Stitcher. It was Gremlins 2 and TMNT. Okay, what's up, Mike? Man, this whole episode got me so nostalgic for the first Gremlins movie and just the Gremlins in general. I can't tell you how much it just brought me back. I felt like a little kid again watching this during Christmas while sitting on the floor and thinking that this was one of the best movies ever. Of course, I'm a little older and a little wiser now. But I'm still one. Of, it's still one of my favorites. It's kind of like if Mel Brooks did a horror movie, uh, is how I would describe it. Because there's more comedy than horror, or maybe it's as you said, a horror comedy. Either way, it was definitely quote unquote good times. And I just want to let you know, I totally dug this episode. Great job, man. Thanks, Bart. So thank you, Bart. Uh, I will get you your nickname, sir. Uh, next time you write in, good times. Yes, sir. So, all right, we only have one email for Total Recall, sir. All right. Can you guess who it is, sir? Oh, I hope it's Peter. For his uh, his sake, I hope it's Peter. Time traveling Peter. There we correct? go. All right. Greetings, Masoonish, Jameson, STL Nation. I can uh, I couldn't wait once Jameson announced that we were reviewing Conan. And then Mike told me that Jameson was drunk. Uh, so, but hey, it's all good. I'm just excited to write in about a totally awesome recall. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite sci-fi movies. And to top it off, it was Arnold. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, who also gave us the original RoboCop, which, too, has Ronnie Cox, basically playing the same character in this movie. What I like about this movie is the story and how you don't really know what's reality and you're learning things as Arnold is, which we talked about. My favorite scene is the suitcase sequence, everything from the different gadgets like the hologram, as uh, Jameson puts it, the removal of too uh, too much through the nose. Uh, the effects aren't great, but it's still good visually. I also like the reveal of Arnold uh, dressed as a woman and how the head comes apart. The technical aspects of it doesn't make any sense, but it looks cool. Uh, it's true. 
Last year, I found out one of my favorite Breaking Bad actors was in here. Dean Norris plays Tony, the disfigured mutant. Mike, you know this actor from a TV show you watched. Sorry, I forgot the title. That would be under the dome, sir. Your STL connection is, of course, Arnold, who we heard you guys recently review, True Lies and Predator. Uh, I don't think he was in Predator, sir. It was um, He was in Twins. But- no, he's talking about Arnold. Oh, there you go. Oh, I, I apologize, sir. Forgive me. He I, was in Predator. I wasn't on my meds today. I apologize. All right. Uh, he was in at least another three films Mike did as a solo app. This is classic, but no one, uh, but not one I watch often. I do own it on Blu-ray and know it wasn't to see a three-breasted prostitute more clearly. Question, how many times has Mike recited the I got five kids to feed line? <laughs> Uh, multiple times on STL, I can say. Overall, I give this movie a 4.25, which I think is, it, since I don't do 0.25s, I would probably, that's where I really sit, is 4.25, if I, but that's why I gave it a week, four and a half. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite Arnold flicks, not just in my top three. Those would be, uh, my top three would be Collateral Damage, Batman and Robin, or Hercules in New York. Uh, yeah, there you, you go. I hope you guys <laughs> check those out. Until the next episode, time travel, and Peter. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for writing in. Good times. All right, sir. That is it for the STL Nation. Um, Do you want to play, you know, what movie am I? yeah. All right, let's do it, sir. Nobody steps on a church in my town. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. I shot him six times. I, I shot him in the heart. That... Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious. I'm Batman. Nice go. Thanks. All right, man. Uh, Any idea what the score is? I believe the score is uh, six to two. Am I correct? That sounds about right. Man. This is terrible, man. Yeah, you got to do some catching up. I have some major catching up to do, man. Yep. I, I really do. I'm waiting at, at some point for you to be like, this one's worth 10 points. If I get it right, we're all tied. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. That's just that's the kind of junk I always pull. That is a great idea. I'm going to have to, especially when we get towards the end of the year, which is coming up very closely. That it is. All right, man. Why don't you go first, sir? All right, I will start it off. So we have... This setting is a crisp winter morning. Um, One man is walking down the street. He is heading off to work. Uh, He runs into an old friend of his, a guy he hasn't seen in years. They run into each other. They're standing out there on the street, this brisk winter morning, and they're having a discussion, and they're discussing old times. And then it turns turns a little combative between the two of them. The two of them, uh, there's... It gets a little tense there for a minute, and it ends with the man who's kind of on his way to work punching out the old friend of his and walking off. Groundhog's Day. There you go. Awesome. Man, we got him one. Good. <laughs> oh, six to three, right? I feel good about that. Oh, thank you. I was hoping it was Groundhog's Day. I really was. I'm like, man. I real I was like if I ask for a clue I'm an idiot so I was like oh please let this be Groundhog's Day nice work oh man all right are you ready sir I am ready the setting is a shower okay 
so two guys, they, they just get done with their shower and they, they walk out of the shower. They're, they're kind of wet, even though they got dressed and, uh, they're, you know, they're on their way to leave work. Uh, there's these other two guys, uh, that are hanging out, uh, in the area. Uh, they're not fully dressed yet. And, uh, they're, they're kind of thinking about, man, we gotta, we gotta get those two guys over there. Mm-hmm. And basically, they go to open their locker, and uh, the guys that had walked out uh, had some fun with those guys, and uh, the scene ends. Top Gun. What, what movie am I? You are Top Gun. Uh, is that your final answer? It is. Okay. The correct answer is Men at Work, sir. Arr, you dirtbag. You know what's Men at Work? You mean the movie that I am unable to watch? Correct. This is where they take the shower, they leave, and the two guys are in their towel, and they open, and crap comes out and gets all over them. And they're like, we're going to get those guys. We should hey. review that movie someday. I know. we should. I, hey, in all seriousness, I do apologize for the fact that I haven't gotten you this movie yet. Uh, I promise you it's, on your, it's, it's coming to you soon, sir. So. All I'm saying is one of these days you're going to open up your locker, and there's a <laughs> bunch of crap. So I got one and you did not. So you maintain your score of six. I moved up one, six to three. So Ooh, we I, got ourselves a barn burner. I, I am halfway there of catching up. Good times. Yep. All right, sir. So that is it for what movie am I? Good times. Let's roll into the music spotlight. All right. Sir, so here's what I thought for the music spotlight. Uh, by the way, did you enjoy the the in sync tribute that we had last uh, episode, sir? Of course. Good times, man. Heck yeah. All right, so I pulled up the top hits of uh, 1990. Mm-hmm. I I understand now why the music in the 90s was starting to go downhill. Uh, I took a look at the top 10, and I'm going to go through this, sir. All right. uh, number one, uh, you're going to notice a theme here. They're all slow songs. Number one is Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Oh. Uh, it it Must Have Been Love by Roxette is number two. I do love some Roxette. Uh, right. Uh, she's Got the Look. Uh, best Another song. great Roxette song. Uh, Nothing Compares to You, Sinead O'Connor's number three. I love Sinead O'Connor. Uh, we have Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Oh, that's my jam. I hate that song. Come on. Oh, God. She's poison. Love it. Oh, it's terrible. And then we have Vogue by Madonna, number five. Got it. Uh, Vision of Love, Mariah Carey's debut, number six. Uh-huh. We have Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. Hold On and Vogue, number eight. Number nine is Cradle Love by Billy Idol. Love it. And number 10 is Blaze of Glory, John Bon Jovi. Oh, snap. Most of those songs are slow songs that I do not want to end this episode on, man. No. However, if you scroll down to number 45, <laughs> you know what you get, sir? I have no idea. <laughs> the, the the person that brought us together, son. The Vanilla Gorilla? Vanilla Ice, baby. And and what song was that at 45? Uh, Ice Ice Baby was oh, 45. Still hanging on. All right. Yeah, that's the year it came out, man. It was 1990. <laughs> Ice Ice Baby, 45. Can you believe it? I so. can't. 
Man, I'm telling you, none of these songs sound appealing to me to close out for the music spotlight. So fair enough. So what do you what do you think, sir? Did you like any of those songs in that top ten? I mean, for I mean, me, Blaze, Blaze of Glory is my tune. On I mean, that. I do love a, a good chunk of those songs, but none of them go with this. I mean, should we do She's Got the Look from Roxette? I mean, that song's always awesome, but I I think I played it a million times in STL, so I don't know. Well, then let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah, this is terrible. I, I honestly had no, I was like, I oh, mean, I was really, con- I don't know, man. This is like one of the only times I don't have a music spotlight set where I'm like, I got it. We're going to do this. But I pulled this this up and I, I was so disappointed, man. I mean, the songs below this are way better. You got uh, Do Me by Belle Bib DeVoe. You got How Am I Supposed to Live Without You, Pump Up the Jam, Opposite to Tracks, Escapade, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You, Close to You, Black Velvet, Release Me. Oh, man, those songs are so much better than the top 10. These are all great. The Power by Snap. Oh, I love that. That song's good, man. That is good. Let's do that. The Power? Yeah. Yeah, Arnold, I got the power. It's a good time. There you go. All right, let's do that. Let's Beautiful. do some Snap. I got the power. I've not heard that song in forever. Good times, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? It, it's actually on a CD with... Um, um it's uh it takes two to make a thing go right uh-huh and then when you get to the end of that it leads into the beginning of the power which oh, is kind of funny snap. So, so there you go we'll do snap the power and we'll cut out all the stuff uh prior to that because we sound like idiots so yep. so there we go uh that is it for our episode uh, if you want to write in the email address as spoken before is stlpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. Um, the next movie we're doing, sir, since we had a vote for Total Recall versus The Running Man, yeah, uh, we had a majority of the fans say they want both. So our next I'm movie is, is The Running Man, sir. I, I hey, can't wait. Hey, Christmas tree, come here. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't wait. So, uh, yeah, let, we're gonna do some Running Man as our next movie. Now, do we have a rough idea, sir? How many weeks it'll be before we get back together again? I'm thinking uh, two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Well, that, that sounds like a solid plan. Uh, I think I'm going to take next week off, and then we'll resume for The Running Man. So, Beautiful. Or maybe I'll do an underground hour. I haven't done one of those in a while. There you go. I'll probably do two, do some Katy Perry top ten, and then do a regular episode. So I like it. Get that out of the way. Good times. And uh, if you want to follow STL, it's on Twitter, STL. Um, yeah, I, just go to, what? I, I don't even remember. Just go to STL. You gave pop. up in the middle of it. I did. Go to Twitter, STL, whatever. I totally, I forgot the address. I really did. This is terrible, son. I love it. Oh, man. You just bailed on that. I did. Go uh, to ST, whatever. Who cares? Go to stlpodcast.com for the link. There you go. To the Twitter. Now we're because, talking. Because I only know the Facebook because the Facebook's attached to the Twitter and I never go on the Twitter unless I'm retweeting stuff. Yep. So, uh, so what about you, sir? Why don't you pimp your show, son? All right. Go uh, go find us at Movie Mojo Monthly and uh, uh, check out our big number 50. Maybe send some emails in or don't. It's up to you. Um, we also have uh, Real Films Podcast, which Mike and I talked about a little earlier. Jason and I talking about some documentaries, the new episode, talking about the Roger Ebert documentary, which I highly recommend. Um, and lastly, uh, go and, you know, I always post links every week on, on the STL Facebook page. Check out Real Reviews, my movie review TV show. And uh, I got some kind of exciting news coming up on that real soon. So I'm kind of excited to share that. But yeah. uh, check that out. We got a new episode that will be out in a couple of days. 
Excellent. Good times, man. Mm-hmm. Good times. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I uh, hope you had a few good laughs. Uh, for those of you who are a little disappointed, the fact of, you know, we kind of screwed up some of the review. That's just what nope, we do. We did so, not once. Yeah. So that, that's what we do. So in the words of uh, Batista, deal with it. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> those Guardians of the Galaxy fans. <laughs> I got the power. Yeah, let's roll into our music spotlights there. So, uh, so everybody, thank you so much for checking out the episode. Good times. Uh, hope you had fun. We will catch you for the running man. And until then, stay safe. Uh, have a good one. Take care.
Jerry Goldsmith's one of my one of my favorite guys, you know, that does uh, scores and stuff. So um, basically, man, yep. oh, I'm <laughs> writer's block right now, man. Sorry. All right. All right. So and then we get. Um, hey, can you hold on for just a second? Nope, not gonna hold on. Ah, this guy does it to me every time. He's big time in me. He's big time in me, I said. Good Lord. You try to be professional around here. Some people. Hmm. Hey. Hey. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Are you still there, sir? I'm here. I I apologize. I I had a lot of activity going on on my side of things. I had to take care of. So yeah, you take care of that. I apologize. <laughs> what, what were you doing? You playing more of that fun music there? Sir? No, I was just I was just hanging out. Cool. What happened? Oh my gosh, drama going on. You got to take care of some business. Oh, I hope not, man. Uh oh. Sorry, boy. This is gonna be fun editing. Oh my. Gosh. You need a taser. <laughs> That's what you need. Oh, essentially, uh, trying to look this, at my. This train has derailed. <laughs> I'm trying to look. I'm looking at the wrong page of notes because I'm like, what the? Hey, at least what, you got notes. What's supposed to be next, man? Who, I'm just going off of memory. Now you're... Okay. This is the part where Conan cuts him with the sword. Okay. All right, so so yeah, essentially, and that's when we he tries to give the reveal to Melina that look, uh, no, this isn't it, right? When because they gotta go see Cole. No, wait, it's gotta be your bowl. Get get a good look at a butcher's ass, but wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um. Oh. I know what it is. Okay. Boy, this is off the rails. No, no, no. This is great. I got I to gotta fix this. Okay. Nope, no editing. Here so, we go. So this is where they're... they're... Sorry. <laughs> do, do you ever have this problem when you're recording with the other fellas, or is it just me? Never once. Never once. Okay. Not once. It's just you. For some reason, I just went blank. All of Good. Sudden, I was like, what the hell? Okay. So, and then he said, "Get to the chopper." <laughs> you know, because uh, what's his name, uh, Michael, um, you know, Rick Richter, he didn't know about this situation. He, because of the recall thing, that's why he went on assignment to try to kill Quaid. I I don't know why Cohagen never told you know Richter about you know Quaid. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Uh-huh. This is terrible, son. It, I'm, I'm this following, is our, I'm this following is our, along. Okay, this has got to be our worst review ever. Okay. I love it. All right. <laughs> okay, so so essentially, um, I, hey, did you hear me? I, I, I don't know. Did you say something? Oh, my. I just totally cut off. I didn't hear a word you said. I am so yes. sorry. Okay, say that again. I said, I think, he, uh, I think he was intimidated by him. I think he, was, he, uh, didn't, he didn't trust um, 
you know, Quaid that that this guy had already beat the memory wipe once before. He's like, let's just eliminate him. Man, I'm telling you, none of these songs sound appealing to me to close out for the music spotlight. So fair enough. I don't know, man. Uh, you want a, a total recall? Uh, maybe it kind of goes with baby one more time. I don't know. I, I have no idea, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we might as well continue down the pop area. We had NSYNC last week. Why don't we do some Britney Spears this week? I don't know, man. Why not? Oh, yeah. dude. Sure. 